Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Virginia native Corey Lynn Green moved to the foothills of the Shenandoah National Park in 1990 when she was just 14 years old. She spent the second half of her childhood listening to countless hours of bluegrass music and listening to the stories of the Appalachian folks in that area that had been moved off the mountain just a few decades earlier. Bringing those influences with her, Corey spent the pandemic years working on her debut album, Blow Away. Those songs earned her a third-place showing at the Tucson Folk Festival Songwriter Competition in 2022. Corey joins us for this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about her musical journey and her debut album. Hi, Corey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am glad to have you on the show today. It's um, so cool to connect um, and be so close and yet be total strangers and all of a sudden now we get to be uh, learn learn a lot about you and get to be friends so it's really neat that to, to learn that you're down the road a few miles <laughs> yeah i was super excited about that and also had no idea that we lived so close together or that the publication was so close so i feel like that's meant to be yeah me too very cool so tell me a little bit about your um uh, did you grow up here in the Shenandoah Valley or, or move here and then spend time here? So I grew up in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, originally I grew up in Harrisonburg, although we moved all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I lived in government housing apartments and Deer Run and oh, yeah. Mosby Court mm-hmm. and um, sometimes got the chance to move into the county. Um, but then when I was about 14, my mother remarried um, a uh, fella that was from Elkton, Virginia, oh, yeah. and we okay. moved into our first very small home um, right under the foot of Shenandoah National Park. Yeah. Which has a huge history. Yeah, and my um, stepfather was a big part of that history, and there was a lot of ancestry there, and he was also a bluegrass musician, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was always very um, curious about music and had really eclectic taste in music and um, was a a music listener, but around that time, I was introduced to so many people that had um, been playing specifically bluegrass music and it had it passed down from generation to generation and starting to hear the stories of the mountain way and people who were moved off the mountain and um there was bluegrass jam at our house every friday night and so starting to learn how to to play and become a part of that culture yeah and without going into a big history lesson, just in case for the folks that are listening that don't understand, uh, the Shenandoah National Park and, and that mountain range once was populated with people who chose to live there and had migrated there. And uh, the government decided to make that a national park and, and move the folks off the mountain, and uh, which is another whole story in itself. But w- when that happened, a lot of traditions came down with them. And Elkton is, along with a f- other, few other small communities, are at the base of that mountain uh, where a lot of those folks resettled. 
um, which thus the influence of the music, and I'm assuming stories as well for you as a child. Yes, yes, yeah. I was just filled up with those stories of joy and, and hardship and nature and all that came with that. And also the stories of, of some people not wanting to move and being sure. moved anyway and yeah. um, the tragedies um, of losing family land that had been theirs for long, long time. Right, yeah. Um, did you grow up then in that area surrounded by music? Was that part of your, your the, that, that second part of your childhood? Yeah, that was the second part of my childhood, sort of the saving grace of my childhood mm. in many ways. Um, you know, I, I'm really thankful for the first half because I think, um, knowing music, um, all kinds of music, uh, including rap music, and then sort of coming into this music that I, I didn't fully understand, um, and, and learning stories. And um, it allowed me to have an expanded version of my own mind of hmm. what I wanted to create for myself yeah. when I was thinking about music. But yeah, those stories, um, I write a lot about those stories, my own story. Um, I also found a real correlation between the way that I had been living, which was in a really poor way, um, with happiness, but, mm -hmm. but with very little money and food stamps and things like that to, um, going to a, a really different culture in many ways and going to the country and same sort of level of, of not having a lot of money, but there was, uh, so much more joy. I mean, there was more, uh, there were ways that you could get out and experience nature. You mm -hmm. could lay in the grass and watch the clouds roll by. Yeah. You could um, sit around with your friends and play music and, and be filled up and learning and growing in that way and telling stories and writing your stories down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm thankful for both, but I found a correlation in how um, both parts of that of that way of, of knowing no money sort of um, they were parallel experiences. There were similarities and there were differences. Mm -hmm. um, when did the spark hit you that you wanted to be a musician yourself and, and start writing songs? Well, I'm a, I'm a late in life musician um, and I would say that I, I have been a writer since I was very young, and that was a way that I could express my feelings, and yeah. I have enjoyed songwriting um, since I was, you know, 16, and, um, and I, you know, plucked around on a banjo ever since I was young, but never really did anything mm. with it or got serious about that, and then, um, and then I started to get a little more... Um, serious about the writing and I think I was just at that place in life where my daughter was old enough that I wasn't just being a mom or just like a full-time worker I had a little space mm -hmm. for my own brain <laughs> and I started to sort of you know kind of get back into what I would call the hobby of writing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and around that same time I was uh, diagnosed with cancer mm. and so I went through um, a long journey uh, with that, as so many people do. Yeah, and wow. during that during that recovery period, um, you know, still being totally uncertain about what my future held, I really allowed myself to go 
really deep into what I wanted mm. just to do. Yeah. And, and so anything that I had thought maybe I wasn't good enough for or anything that I was holding back because life was in the way I just decided I was going to do all the things I wanted to do and Mm. and say yes to everything yeah yeah wow it's a shame that it takes uh, a jolt like that to push us into becoming who we're supposed to be yeah and I hope I hope that you know, more people will reach out and grab it before they have to have any kind of lesson like that. Um, but for me, I, I needed that lesson. I mm. needed, I needed to, it broke me all the way down. Mm. And so for me, that's also what songwriting can be. You know, right. you can go all the way down to the bottom and you can also write your way back out. Yeah. And I think having that experience allowed me to be totally authentic and, and not afraid of what you would think or of, of even what the bluegrass community might think because the songs were not exactly that. Mm-hmm. They weren't exactly anything that exactly fit something normal and so just having some bravery and some conviction and some authenticity and being like it's okay because it's just my art and it's just my expression and right. it's just what i'm doing you know how long ago was that for you um so i will be hitting the five-year mark um uh of uh my cancer diagnosis in november okay. of this year and um and then as the story unfolds i um I'm just fooling around with with that and just doing all that music stuff for fun. Still not calling myself a musician in any way. <laughs> but then I won a raffle um, to record at Blue Sprocket Sound yeah. when it was still around. Yeah. And that raffle was like a four-hour um, recording session. I had never even sung into a microphone at that really? point. Wow. That was probably about three years ago, maybe. Yeah, okay. And and I had a, a great sound engineer who was super encouraging and really nice to me and kind of like led me through the process and I was really scared and I was a bit of a mess, you know, and, and could hardly play from feeling like an imposter or feeling like, you know, whatever. And, yeah. and uh, when the session was over, I was just filled with joy because, you know, he would play this back to me and, and there I was hearing myself mm in this beautiful way he had captured and made better and um, had sort of walked me through. And at the end of that experience, he was like, so wait a minute, (laughs) you wrote these songs? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, and he's like, wait a minute. And it was really encouraging about the songs themselves and about the structure of them. And he had thought maybe they were old folk songs. He mm. didn't realize they were they mm. were mine. And, wow, cool. And um, yeah, and so that was like really encouraging to be like, and he just said, you know, you should, you know, this brings you a lot of joy and you should maybe do this more, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and um, so I put those songs like out on YouTube and my friends and family listened to them. And um and in a really, really random and crazy way, um, a, a really well-known producer in Philadelphia ended up hearing one of those songs. Hmm. Wow. That's cool. And and that then has led you to your debut album. Is that correct? Is that? Yeah. 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 So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, the producer uh, whose name is Doug Fern, and he um, is uh, well known for creating Fern and Company um, sound recording equipment which is amazing stuff. Um, and 
he heard the song and was really curious and reached out to me at the beginning of the pandemic, just as my regular job was shutting down um, and uh, was really interested in recording the song Blow Away, Mm -hmm. which is the name of the debut album. Mm -hmm. And, um, and wondered if I had any interest in doing that. And I was like, yes, definitely. (laughs) And, um, and slowly it took us a long time because COVID was in the way and, you know, we were trying to be careful and all of those things. Um, but eventually I made it up to, um, Pennsylvania, uh, where he has a amazing recording studio and, um, and he sort of walked me through what recording blow away would look like. We cut some demos. I played with my first session musician just to see, I think he was just seeing if I could handle it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and ultimately while I was up there, we ended up, you know, cutting a bunch more demos because I had a lot of songs Mm. and, um, and, after that experience was over and maybe I had passed that test, he wanted to know if I had any interest in making a full length album. And, um, and of course I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, because that's just a dream come true. And, sure. you know, he, he did everything, you know, he rolled out the red carpet and all of this was very easy. All I had to do was show up and, and play and sing. And, um, he brought in some amazing Philadelphia session musicians wow. who cool. I now call friends, yeah. um, Adam Monaco on guitar and mandolin and his wife, um, Caitlin Monaco, who's an incredible backup singer and then an amazing drummer who's really well known um john o'reilly jr and then a cello player um, named peter oswald and peter is incredible and he actually was playing at red wing academy he helps teach the kids red wing academy um Mm. during red wing so i actually saw him down there and um yeah they came together and it took a while for him to figure out what musicians because the music was so unusual and he really the producer really wanted he really wanted the right fit and for people to really understand and use their instrumentation to go around these lyrics yeah. and not be overwhelming and just sort of like the right mood. And I, I think he captured it really well. Yeah. That's awesome. And then I, I think I read where you recently, um, placed pretty high in a songwriting competition is that right yeah so that was another i've had a you know a series of i don't even want to call it luck but just i've had a lot of momentum you know sure um and and uh and it's just been really incredible because you know i am basically just kind of coming out of nowhere and um i i had applied for um a tucson songwriting contest i've applied for plenty of contests um it's I was told I had a very low chance of getting the contest because they mostly pick in-state people, a majority, and oh, okay. 20% outside. And I just sort of was watching that process of, of like, oh, you know, there's like 100 and there's like 50. And I was in those runnings. And then eventually there's, you know, top 20. And then eventually there was top 10. And I had somehow um, <laughs> gotten into the top 10 of the Tucson Folk Festival. Wow. And... Um, And that meant that I had to decide whether I was going to fly out there and compete, which, of course, is something that I had no experience or idea that, you know, I now know people do that. They do that. And some people do that kind of exclusively. And um, so I flew out there kind of, you know, um, uh, an uncertain baby in music and and um, you know, walked around the desert, which I had never been to um, with the banjo on my back and 
and got to a big stage and um, talked to the other contestants who all had a lot of experience and thought, "Ah, you know, what am I doing here? This is, you know, this is probably not a good idea. And and, um, yeah, much to my shock and surprise, I mean, two seconds before I got on stage, I had a major problem with a string on my banjo. And so I ended up on the stage within a panic. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, just took a deep breath and, and said, you know, I'm from the mountains of Virginia. These are my Appalachian folk songs. And <laughs> I don't think I spoke again. And, and, you know, I, I could, I could sing and then I'd have to drink tons of water cause I wasn't used to the dry air. And so it was just this whole, you yeah. know, like I walked off the stage thinking, well, you know, you came out here and you did that and that was brave. And that's more than a lot of people ever get to do and right. just enjoy it. And, so I, I ended up getting the third place, which was a total shock out of, you know, so many yeah. um, p- amazing musicians. And um, and I was just absolutely thrilled and have yeah. been, you know, riding that high and, wow. and just um, just letting myself enjoy yeah. that moment. What an acknowledgement of your music yeah. and, and your effort, you know, that's, yeah. that's so yeah. cool. And that yeah. was that was fairly recently, right? In the last couple of months. That, that was in April, yeah. um, the very end of April, twenty twenty two, and um, yeah, and and you know, following the heels of that, I had um, I had uh, applied for a grant, um, Harrisonburg Rockingham County uh, Arts Council grant grant um, to see if it was a possibility for me to tell these stories. Um, locally as a an album release um Mm -hmm. and i somehow got that grant and uh, which i was thrilled (laughs) about and that allowed me to to you know get the space at court square um and then again you know much to my shock you know having a sellout show at court square theater which hadn't happened there in quite a long time right right yeah um and and just you know getting to sing these songs in front of my parents who really didn't know all the places I had jumped to and to my friends and family who were in the audience, just, you know, 260 people just filling me with love and confidence. And, you know, it's probably the first time that I really stood on the stage and thought, yeah, you belong here. This is right. You know, and it was, it was powerful. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. So where's the journey taking you? What's next? What are you up to? So, um, you know, I have a couple of, of thing of, uh, irons in the fire and, and, uh, some of that is, you know, crossing my fingers for another, um, songwriting contest that would be much, a even bigger challenge to get, but would also help me kind of get my foot into the folk festival door. Sure. I was, um, so I'll find out about that August 23rd. Okay. And then, uh, on August 28th, I have somehow found myself on the Oak Grove Folk Festival um, oh, stage. Yeah, um, awesome. I'll be playing at 1 o'clock on Sunday, followed by the Seamus Egan Project, who are incredible, and then Robin and Linda Williams. Yep. So I'm you know, going to going to feel very proud and happy about that moment. And then um, I have started to travel back to um, Philadelphia and um, have been demoing some songs and writing some new songs with, I think, a different level of maybe maturity and understanding and all that I've learned um, in this short period of time. And so I'm really excited about the new direction of of what I know now and, and now can add to these, you know, stories. And, um, and I have gone back and recently written a song that, um, that is really about P 
people getting moved off the mountain of Shenandoah, which mm-hmm. sort of feels like a, a coming home to really get a piece like yeah. that in place. So, yeah. so second album is probably in the loop. Wow. That's very <laughs> cool. Yeah. What, what do you, where do you see yourself in five years? What, what, full time? Is that what your goal is? You know, I think that I think a month ago I couldn't have answered that in any sort of real way because, you know, ultimately I'm a mom and um, I, I keep telling the producer, well, I haven't met any musicians that make any money yet. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I will say this, I have an incredible mentor in this producer and the last time that I talked to him, I think it is his goal that he would find a way to have me making music as a primary yeah. source of income and, and joy. Um, and he's teaching me all kinds of things, um, in, including what producing looks like. But, um, you know, I would say I'm finally ready to say, yes, I will ever since I got sick and got better my only goal has been if a door opens to say yes. Hmm. And as long as I can make that happen and hold everything else up and keep it all in balance, I'm going to say yes to every musical opportunity because hmm. who wouldn't want to do that for, sure, for living right. and for fun. Right, so right, for yeah. me, it's just like, you know, grab the joy and whatever happens, you know, just live in those moments. It's moment by moment. Hmm. And then if something bigger happens, it's that moment. And if it doesn't, it's okay. You've had all these experiences you never experienced expected to have so wow what encouragement that can be to uh, another musician that's in the same place you were a few years ago yeah uh, exactly which is a lot of people yeah 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 Yeah. well we're certainly honored to to help uh tell a piece of your story and um excited uh, for all that's that's ahead of you because it sounds like it's the trajectory is moving um very nicely in that direction um the album again is blow away and how can people reach out to you if somebody wants to make connection or they would like to purchase a copy of the record or listen to your music? So my name is Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E, Lynn Green, like the color. And you can find me on all streaming platforms. Um, you could also go to CoreyLynnGreenMusic.com. And you, we, I have CDs and I have T-shirts. And in the fall, I'm going to have vinyl, wow. um, which is just another huge, amazing gift that's being given to me. So, um, yeah, find me in all of those places and, you know, help push me forward. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks, Corey. This has been great uh, getting to know you and, and making the local connection and, uh, and helping you tell your story and, and get it out to the world. And we certainly wish you the best with it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 